Go in your Bibles to where? Philippians. We've been looking at Philippians as well on Wednesday night, and uh, we're having a good time there. I've even got my, I've even broke out my, uh, my marker board, and I'm writing down as we go. I told him what my favorite verse was Wednesday night. Well, not my favorite, but one of my favorites. And for it to work good for you, when you look it up, you got to have a King James Version or probably a new King James Version. But it's uh, Psalms chapter 37, verse number 37. It's a great verse. It's a thought-provoking verse. It's a verse that I've tried to uh, have printed up on a t-shirt and give to my wife, but she refused to wear this Bible verse that seems anti-Bible to me. <laughs> Mark 37, 37 says, Mark the perfect man. That's what it says. That's what it says. And she won't, she won't, for whatever reason, won't wear that as a T-shirt. We've been learning all kind of things on Wednesday night. <laughs> all right. Philippians chapter 1. Let's go uh, 15 through 17. Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse 15. I'm going to preach on something today I've never preached on in all of my life. Never have. Never have. I've never preached on preaching. When people ask me what I'm going to be preaching on, I always say I'm going to be preaching on the platform. Well, that is an old one, isn't it there? <laughs> but today, yeah, real old. But today I'm going to be preaching on preaching. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Let me give a little synopsis of that one verse all by itself. Some preachers don't help the rest of us preachers out. And I'll go further. Some preachers on TV don't help the rest of us preachers out because it's evident by some on, that, you, that, are, that you know about that, uh, you know, they may be in it more for themselves than what they are for others. This is not a preacher that you're looking at that's preaching to get rich. Oh, my. When I first started here, I made $50 a week, and I was overpaid then. Because I, I knew about this much. And now, now I know about that much. But no, I'm not getting rich. I, uh, my truck's got 140-some thousand miles on it. I live in a double wide. It's got polyester curtains and redwood deck. There's the queen right, right there <laughs> of the double wide. Well, no, uh, some preach, and, and Paul says their very preaching adds to the hardship of what I'm trying to get accomplished. 
but others of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Lord, take the words that we will speak here and help us, dear God, that it would be a blessing. God, it would be something that will be uh, fruitful within the people's lives and help us, dear God, as a church, be willing to take a stand for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, Don Tucker met me there at the front door and said, Preacher, that's the best sermon you've ever preached. Pat Bailey said, Pastor, I really love your preaching. Last week, Lowell and Shirley Clifton, when they left out of here, Mark, don't get us wrong. We like the whole service, but we really like your preaching. Man, there were some good people right there. <laughs> some good people. Turn that record over. Although we don't have records no more. But turn that record over, and this is what I heard in the past. Preacher, don't you know it's 2012 and preaching is outdated? I've heard. Preacher, don't you know it's 2011? Preaching's outdated. I have heard. Preacher, don't you know? But it's 2010. Preaching's outdated. Preacher, don't you know that preachers and comedians are the only people left that get up on a platform in front of people and talk to people? Preacher, we got computers now. And there's got to be a better way of getting the message out than getting up and preaching. When I hear those terms that preaching is outdated, it only comes from people with a liberal type mindset. And don't tell me that, oh no, he's preaching politics. No, I'm telling you where our culture as a whole is going. And it is like a big quicksand pit that is trying to suck everything in its parameter down with it. A liberal mindset will say this. Business owners with millions are greedy. Hollywood movie stars worth the same amount of money have earned that money. A liberal mindset says that Occupy Wall Street are courageous heroes and that people that are pro-life are violent extremists. A liberal mindset says that Heather has two mommies should be required reading in all schools. And the Holy Bible should never be read in school. A liberal mindset says that teenagers are too young to be told about the Bible, and those same teenagers are mature enough to be told all about sex and given condoms. Liberal mindset says that Dan Cathy at Chick-fil-A tithes huge amounts of money every year and also believes in traditional marriage, and he is so uncaring. 
And yet, Ellen Degenerate or Degenerous, <laughs> wait a minute, makes $50 million a year and donates $100,000 to charity. That is 0.02%. And yet, she is so caring. And we should throw a luncheon for her. The liberal mindset says that suicide bombers that target women and children should be called freedom fighters. An Israeli defense team, the forces that would shoot them back, are called terrorists. A liberal mindset says that Diane Sawyer, listen to this, of ABC News, that woman makes $12 million a year and can call a business owner who makes a million dollars a year greedy and selfish, and she says that with a straight face. Liberal mindset says that trees have souls and unborn babies are just a blob of tissue. Liberal mindset gets down to this. Morals are old-fashioned. Those belong in a different era. Those are Victorian age. And don't try to shackle us and chain us down and let me be free to be me and do whatever I want to do because anything else, you're infringing on my right. And let me tell you, if we get to a country to where everybody is so concerned about my right, this is going to be a terrible place to live. Instead of looking at from the benefit and help of someone else. I love what Abraham Lincoln, our greatest president, says. When I go and listen to a preacher, I go out to that old country church because that guy preaches to me like I'm a sinner, not like I'm president of the United States. And that's what I need. There's a smart man. I hope this is not true, but I've seen it happen in other churches. If I would die tomorrow, and the finance team, I can always just see the bubble go up on top of their head. <laughs> we have a lot of money then. <laughs> Years ago in a, in a deacon meeting, uh, I made mention about, well, the church has got the X amount of dollars insurance on me, and you know, if I die, you know, they could pay off some things. And George Thomason, he goes, eh, really, preacher, that ain't right. We got a lot more than what I thought we had on me. He goes, you die, we're looking to expand. <laughs> but unfortunately, I've seen this happen in other churches, and I certainly wouldn't happen, see, want to see it happen here, but I am wondering if I would die tomorrow if the next preacher, I wonder if he would ever hit the pulpit or if he'd ever stomp his feet. Because this is the way, unfortunately, the church is going. Well, we don't preach, no. We give lectures is what we do. God didn't say, go into all the world and lecture the gospel. Didn't say that. Or we get us a pastor that gives us spiritual emphasis. It pleased God by the foolishness of spiritual emphasis to say those that believe. No. No. By preaching. As long as I'm here, 
you're always going to get a good dose of preaching. And if you're too highbrow for preaching, you're too highbrow for God. Because God is all about preaching. All about preaching. And in America, and I made this comment to a guy the other day, in America what we want to do, we want to put an ambulance at the bottom of every hill when we should be putting a guardrail at the, at the top of every hill and trying to avert a lot of problems that people are going to have in life. This is why kids' camp is so important. This is why kids' camp is so important. It helps us put that guardrail at the top of that hill instead of waiting for them to bottom out somewhere. And, you know, thank God for what AA does. But you know what that's doing? They're trying to help them after the fact, after they have already started on that bottle, and then they've hit rock bottom. I am glad that Orchardville Church is a place that tells these young people, you don't need alcohol in your life at all. And these sissy, wussy-type preachers that won't stand for anything, they make me want to puke. <laughs> Scared to death that somebody might leave their church if they speak on something that they just don't know if they ought to or not. Again, I'm telling you, it's not okay for us just to put an ambulance at the bottom of the hill. We need a guardrail at the top of the hill. And I'm telling you, if you think that you've got to have alcohol in your life, something is missing from your Christian experience. Whoo, that's preaching there. Wait a minute. The Bible talks about when sin becomes exceeding sinful. How does that happen? Let me illustrate how that happens. That's how that happens. That's how that happens. Me raising my voice. That's how that happens. That's how sin becomes exceeding sinful. There was a man in Harrisburg getting a Orchardville Church CDs, and he said, you know, that preacher shall, he preaches truth, but, you know, he doesn't have to raise his voice like that. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. Guy told me one time, why don't you Bible thumpers just leave the country if you don't like how things are going? I said, we got here first. That's why we ain't leaving. Some pastors don't like to be called preacher. I like it. I like it. And I'll tell you why. Isaiah 61, Isaiah was a preacher. Jonah chapter 3, Jonah was a preacher. Luke chapter 4, Jesus was a preacher. 2 Peter chapter 2, Noah was a preacher. 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul was a preacher. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, Solomon was a preacher. Matthew 3, John the Baptist was a preacher. It's okay to call me preacher. I kind of like it. The book of Acts chapter 8, the church was scattered abroad, preaching 
the Word. It's what the early church did. They preached the Word. And it's how they did it. Preaching is truth set on fire. Is what preaching is all about. I'm not going to get up here and give you a monotone talk and read out of the book of the book of Reader's Digest. <laughs> Chester Hedden told me this years ago. He said, Mark, in your preaching, when you cry, that's when I cry. I thought about that. Preachers, if what you're saying doesn't warm your heart, it won't warm nobody else's heart. Preachers, if what you're preaching does not excite you, how dare you think it ought to excite anybody else? When you cry in your message, that's when I cry. You cannot be a good Christian, wait for it, without preaching. Well, I'll just stay home then. And I'll get preaching on TV. They preach a lot better than you do anyway, and they look better than you do. I know that's true on both counts. But the next time you're in the hospital, call them and see if they'll land your, their private jet in your cornfield and go visit you in the hospital. You know what their number is? It's 1-800. Send me your cash now. <clears throat> Can't be a good Christian without preaching. And I do not want workers that are hiding out and never, or they have to listen to preaching. How backslidden is that? I'll answer that. Preacher, that's really backslidden. (laughs) You bet it is. I can't imagine that. Thank God for workers. Thank God for volunteers. And there are times even that you can't even be here on a Sunday, and I understand that from time to time. But we do have CDs, and you ought to listen to a CD. Well, it's just because you're preaching. It don't matter if it's me or somebody else. Preaching is important. It's God's prescribed method. Please God by the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. That's what the Bible says. Preacher, it's foolish what you're doing. You get up there and act a fool. You're way too late. I already read that in the Bible. God broke that down a long time ago. You're way too late. I already know that. Let me go on. I was in a church service about a year ago. Wasn't here, somewhere else. And in that service, during the preaching, people were talking. And if you think that annoys you, you, you ought to be in a service with me. It's just, it's just like nails on a chalkboard to me. And I'm just sitting back there watching, and it's just like, are you kidding me? They don't give two hoots about what this guy's saying. 
Kids were crying and screaming all over. And during the altar service, it wasn't bad enough the kids are bawling. Now they're laughing. And I kind of look around, and it's dad throwing the kid up during the altar service, and the kid's laughing. And everybody else is looking, oh, yeah, look at that. I just got to kind of make noises about that because I don't want to really say what I want. Good night. That guy don't consider preaching. That pastor does not consider preaching near as important as what I consider preaching. That's why we are from time to time, if I need to, if I need to do it, I will say something about someone distracting, a baby crying, people talking. Why, why, I'm just not going to have that. And again, this is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, is what this is right here. Because the preaching of the gospel is utter importance. There's nothing more important than that. We've got to get the word out. And yeah, there's always going to be people that's going to be mad. And you're just pointing me out and you're picking. I will never do that. But listen, somebody is going to be rude in this service, and I'm not about to let you be the rude one. I'll be the rude one. If I've got to point something out, I will. I won't allow you to be the rude one. I will be the rude one. Well, you know, I just never heard preachers talk like that. Well, you're probably not, and that's part of the problem. And that's part of the problem. Some years ago, I pulled into my youngest sisters to where they lived, and Justine and Marcus, and Marcus at the time was probably maybe six years old, I'm guessing, standing outside. My nephew, that kid's funny as can be, and he's always had a real deep voice, even as a little bitty kid. And I pulled up, had my window rolled down, I pulled up. I could hear what he said before he ever got out of the truck. Him and Justine's both standing outside. And he looks over at his mom and says, he's this, you know, like the deep voice, Mom, the preacher's here. <laughs> it was classic. <laughs> it was classic. <laughs> Last week, uh, George and myself... Uh, we went and visited Paul and Fran, and as I walked up the steps and knocked on the door, I heard Paul inside say, the preacher's here. I'm called preacher anymore as much as I'm called anything else. And again, I kind of like that. I got a call from Valerie Vincent. She was here at the church. Salem Hospital had called the church, and Valerie called me. Mark, there's a woman at Salem Hospital, room such and such. She wants you to go talk with her, visit her. So I went there. First words out of her mouth when she sees me, and I haven't told this to anybody. She says, Preacher Shell. You visited my husband when he was in the hospital. And I just shook my head, like, yeah, okay. Walked up to her and 
Asked why she was in the hospital. She says, I had my daughter to drive me by the Centralia branch. I wanted to see what that looked like. Every time in Centralia paper that they talk and read about Orchardville, I always read about that. I get the CDs. Then she says, you visited my husband when he was in the hospital. Every time she'd say something, it's always preacher shell. And I finally said, ma'am, when did I visit your husband in the hospital? And she says, to my shock, she said, oh, it was when your dad was in the hospital at Springfield, Illinois. I said, lady, that's been over 20 years ago. Yeah, you came across the, walked right across the hall and came into our room and you wanted to know what was wrong with my husband if you could pray with my husband and you talked with us for a while. And I've always tried to keep up on what was going on at Orchardville Church. It's important, church, how we live. It's important that we try to reach out. Preacher Shell, it was when your dad was in the hospital. You could have knocked me over with a feather. And she's hung on to that all those years. I said, do you go to church anywhere? No. I used to have a, what was it? I think she said connection. I used to have a, connect, a feeling. I used to have a feeling for Jesus years ago. And I said, we can renew that right here, right now. Would you want to do that? And she said, yes, I would. And we prayed. She renewed her vow to Jesus. And when I walked out, Preacher Shell, <laughs> thanks for coming and visiting me. The Bible says that we are given, every one of us has been given a ministry of reconciliation. That's a fancy way of saying your job is to go and reach somebody else for Jesus. That's what your job is. That's what my job is. Oh, it's just a preacher's job. No, all of us. All of us. All of us. Bow your heads, please. Father, I'm grateful and thankful, Lord, for all the opportunities that you give me from time to time. And God, forgive me the times that I let some of those slip through my fingers. And I am sorry for that. But Lord, I do ask and pray that you keep giving me these opportunities. And God, just as your word says that you've given us a ministry of reconciliation, Lord, help everyone in this church realize that. Help everyone in this church know that. Help everyone in this church act upon that. We're thankful, Lord, for all the ones that's been coming to you even here recently. We're thankful for that. And Lord, if there's someone here this day 
we ask that by the Holy Spirit that you knock on their heart and they would see the benefit they would see the assurance they would see the blessedness of saying yes to that invitation thank God for that In your name we're praying. Amen. My heart is weak I 
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.